Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode uh, I'm going to be talking about one of my favourite films and uh, today I'm going to be talking about the uh, 2011 uh, American neo-noir action drama and crime film Drive, uh, which was directed by uh, Nicholas uh, Winding uh, Refn. And uh, the film stars uh, Ryan Gosling, um, uh, who in fact doesn't have uh, a character name, interestingly. Uh, He is uh, only referred to in the credits as uh, Driver, uh, because uh, during the film, uh, the, um, the main character, played by Ryan Gosling, is a Hollywood stunt driver. Uh, who moonlights as a getaway driver, um, but uh, the uh, the screenplay uh, was written by uh, Huzan uh, Amini, and um, it's based on the uh, two thousand and five um, novel Drive, uh, which was um, written by uh, James Salis, which is a great book, um, and. Yeah, this is one of my favourite films uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, I um, I remember watching this film for the first time back in 2011. Uh, and it's crazy how it's now 2021. So 10 years has passed since I first saw this film. Um, and from the moment that I saw it, the, the impact of... The, the the story, um, the music, the directing, the characters um, hit me really hard, and I and I thought this is a great film. This is a modern classic of a film, and it was the first film that I ever saw Ryan Gosling in. It was the first um, thing that I ever saw Brian Cranston in. Um, uh, who I I knew afterwards, and I watched afterwards in the incredible TV series Breaking Bad, and uh, Brian Cranston plays the character of Shannon, uh, who is um, Ryan Gosling's character's um, agent. Basically, he uh, hires him, uh, his manager. Uh, he hires him for several um, stunt double. Uh, jobs uh, in movies and and television and Brian Cranston is a great actor Uh, as I said a a great character on uh, Breaking Bad in which he played uh, Walter White Uh, but this was the first time that I ever saw Brian Cranston Um, and uh, it also stars uh, Christina Hendricks who I had previously seen she's a great actress Um, she plays the, the character of uh, Blanche, who isn't in the film for that long. Uh, but I already knew Christina Hendricks was a great uh, actor because I'd seen her previously in the television show Firefly. And um, uh, the film also stars Ron Perlman, a uh, great cast. Um, and Ron Perlman, of course, uh, I first saw him back in the 80s when I was a kid. He was in the TV show um, Beauty and the Beast with uh, Linda Hamilton. Um, he's also been in um, several other great um, great roles. Um, um, such as He was played uh, Hellboy in the Hellboy films. Um, first two Hellboy films. Uh, he was in uh, Sons of Anarchy. Um... And yeah, he's a really great, uh, really great actor. He's also in uh, Alien Resurrection as well. 
Um, and uh, the film also stars Albert Brooks, uh, who uh, you may know. Um, he's uh, starred in Taxi Driver and uh, Private Benjamin. Um, and he's uh, more famous now, I guess, uh, for his uh, recurring guest voices on, um, on The Simpsons. Um, but uh, yeah, he's a a great uh, a great actor, great voice actor, great um, physical actor. In in fact, um, the voice is the first thing that uh, I, that I first recognised when I first saw Albert Brooks. Because I didn't know recognise his face when I first saw him in Drive, but the voice was the thing that really um, I, I recognised first. And the the one thing to say about this film right off the bat is that it is um, the character of um, of the driver is very subdued. He doesn't really say a lot. And in fact, he doesn't speak a word of dialogue. Um, well, he, he speaks at the beginning of the, of the film um, when he's on, on the phone. But a lot of the, the dialogue that he speaks is very short um he is he's very explanatory he explains what's going to happen uh but um he's most of the time he's very quiet very you can see he's thinking or he's reacting or um when he's uh interacting with uh another of the the main characters in the film uh irene who's played by the wonderful uh, Carrie Mulligan, um, who I thought I first saw in an episode of Doctor Who. Um, uh, many years before, uh, I saw her in Drive. Uh, she was in the um, in the the episode Blink, um, and um, she's been in so many great. Um, so many great film roles, uh, including most recently I saw her in the the, the thriller *Promising Young Woman*. Uh, she's also been in the the comedy drama *Inside Llewellyn Davis*, um, in which she um, she was uh, she was great in that, and she also starred in um, she also starred in um, *Inside uh, Llewellyn Davis* uh, with. Her um, her husband in in the film Drive, um, uh, Standard Gabrielle, who's played by Oscar Isaac, and he's he was also in Inside Llewellyn Davis. Um, but yeah, and the the connection between uh, Carrie Mulligan's character Irene and the driver, most of the time, they're not even saying anything. It's it's um, they said most of the time when they're communicating with each other, it seems to be with looks and inflections on their face, um, a smile, um, just a look in the eye. You know, it's really beautiful, their, their relationship. And it um, it begins from the moment that they see each other when they, they're first in the, uh, the, the elevator in, in their apartment building and they're sharing the elevator and um, Irene is coming up um, after just, um, uh, I think she's just uh, bringing up some laundry, and the driver is uh, coming home from um, either his day job or his night job. But um, yeah, it's a beautiful relationship, and uh, they live on the same floor, the fourth floor. Uh, they're neighbours, in fact, um, and it's really beautiful. And if uh, the events of the film didn't play out the way that they did then these two could have had a, a really great relationship. In fact, they probably would have been perfect for one another. They would have been, they would have um, made each other uh, whole. Um, but unfortunately, um, things do not play out that way. Uh, because um, Carrie Mulligan's character, Irene, uh, she has a, a young son uh, by the name of uh, Benicio. And her husband, uh, Standard, um, who's played by Oscar Isaac, he is in in prison, and um, he uh, he gets released 
uh, in the film, um, the middle of the film, and um, yeah, the, the the look on the driver's face uh, when um, Irene tells him is uh, heartbreaking. He doesn't say anything, he, but he, the reaction is just, you know, you can feel his his heart sinking in his chest. Uh, but yeah, it's it's so subtle some of the acting in this uh, film, but it's uh, it's really well done. And the music, I have to say, uh, which was composed by uh, Cliff Martinez, is uh, wonderful. Um, but there is also the addition of several uh, iconic um, songs, such as uh, Night Call, uh, which was um, by the, the artist uh, Kavinsky, uh, featuring uh, Love Fox. Uh, the song Under Your Spell. Uh, which performed by Desire, uh, a real hero, uh, which was uh, performed by uh, the uh, the band College, um, um, featuring uh, Electric Youth, um, and also um, uh, there's a, a song called uh, Tick of the Clock, uh, by uh, performed by Chromatics. But uh, yeah, the the rest of the the soundtrack. As I said, it was um, composed by uh, the great um, film composer Cliff Martinez. But these songs, uh, the original songs uh, in the original version of the of the film Drive, uh, are really iconic, really well done, uh, and they really match the film. Um, and they all work in 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 concert with one another. The acting, the music, the cinematography. You know, it's it's all it's a beautiful combination, and yeah, it's it's a really great film. And as I say, I think the fact that the driver doesn't have a name; he's just a, he's a character, uh, really adds to the the appeal, the the uh, the mystery of the character. Because as I was said, um, the character of the driver is a stunt double by day, and um, a getaway driver by night and when we first meet the the driver he is uh, in contact with um, a party uh, two individuals um, in who is uh, going to be picking up uh, after they commit a, a robbery uh, in uh, Los Angeles California and he used to be their getaway driver and um, he is someone who knows every which way uh, of how to maneuver and drive a car he's the best driver that anyone has ever seen especially his um manager shannon uh played by brian cranston who is also who also uh manages an auto shop uh at which um the driver works as a mechanic at and um uh, shannon tells the story that he walked into his auto shop one day and uh um, he just never left and you know he's really good he's a great mechanic um, and he's a you know a phenomenal driver and um, yeah he um, expertly um, finds a way to outmaneuver the, uh, the Los Angeles police um, using the the cover of darkness to hide um, in the shadows <clears throat> um, but um, yeah he 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 gets away uh he um we don't find out if um uh the the criminals that he was uh um helping to get away from the police um made it away but it it seems that way and um yeah a great opening um to the film and then we get introduced to uh Shannon uh, played by Brian Cranston. We get introduced to um, the driver's day job, working as a as a stunt driver on um, on a set of a a Los Angeles uh, based um, film set. And then um, uh, Shannon, uh, who is friends with uh, some Jewish mobsters uh, by the name of uh, Bernie Rose who's played by Albert Brooks, and uh, Nino, who's played by Ron Perman. And Shannon uh, floats the idea of uh, purchasing a car 
uh, a stop car for the the driver uh, to to race and um when shannon explained um <clears throat> excuse me about who the driver is he says you know he's the best thing uh the best driver he's ever seen you know he can do things that no other driver can do and that if he was to get behind a wheel of a of a of a race car you know he'd win any you know um any which way he could and um then, as I was saying, um, the driver meets his new neighbour, Irene. They share an elevator. And um, then one thing leads to another. And uh, Irene and Benicio, her, her son, and the driver are um, shopping at the same convenience store. Uh, then the driver comes out of the convenience store. And Irene, um, her car is having uh, engine trouble and um they exchange a glance irene and the driver and then the driver goes over and helps her with her uh, um, uh, difficulties with her, the car engine and um and yeah their their relationship blossoms and grows and it we don't see it, uh physical in a lot of the time it's as i say it's glances it's um poetry if you if you like um they love being around each other they make each other smile i mean ryan gosling's character doesn't hardly smiles throughout the, the film but when he does it's in reaction uh, it's as a result to irene that the glances you know between them that the the, the the scenes in which the music is so subdued and then it's just just the two of them just basically looking at one another it's really well done, really powerful, uh, really engrossing. And as I say, that they you see them looking at each other and smiling, and it's it's wonderful. It's joyful, and they they you know they're enjoying their time with one another. And the driver takes Irene out in his car to drive around, and they 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 drive around with Benicio, and it's all is good. However, um, their relationship um is um interrupted you could say uh because irene's husband uh standard gabriel who's played by oscar isaac uh who's a great actor um you know he was in um the most recent star wars films and um uh he's been in several great films actually um some that are eluding me at the moment um but he was in inside Llewyn davis um and ex machina he was in ex film ex machina which is a great film really great film but he's been released from prison and he's re returning home and when irene tells the driver that her husband is coming home you know as i said the the look on his face is his heart sinks in his chest and you don't he doesn't say anything but you just know he's just so upset but he doesn't show it you know then standard gabrielle comes home um he has a part his his wife irene throws him a party um in their apartment and you know uh, next door uh the driver's sitting there alone in the dark at his table working on a um, a component for his car and he can hear this party going on next door and you, you just know even though not a word of dialogue is said he's thinking about irene and um yeah it's it's very it's really it's really sad you know that these two they're meant to be together but irene um she needs to stay with her husband because she has a, a son. Um, and, but, you know, the driver doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He respects Irene. He respects that she's she's married. And um, he just carries on, um, you know, working uh, um, as a stunt driver and uh, as a mechanic. Um However, it turns out that Standard Gabrielle uh, owes some protection money, a lot of money, um, 
to um, a uh, an Albanian uh, gangster by the name of Chris Cook, who is actually working for um, one of the the Jewish gangsters, um, Nino. Uh, he's played by Ron Perlman, who is of course, as I say, connected to um, Albert Brooks's uh, character, Bernie Rose. But um, yeah, Standard Gabrielle gets beaten up in the in the car park of their apartment building, and when the driver comes back, uh, he discovers Gabrielle has been um, severely assaulted, and uh, his son. Uh, Benicio is has watched the entire thing happen, and in fact, um, the Albanian gangster uh, gives a bullet to Benicio to hold on to, uh, and of course, this is a, a threat, basically to say that this bullet could be used to either kill his father or him, or but it's a it's a it's a threat. And um, Standard um, explains to the driver at first. You know the driver. He doesn't. Um, he doesn't uh, trust the driver because he had a suspicion that the driver had a thing for Irene. Because when he came home, they had a moment. Irene and the driver had a moment in the in the um, the corridor there, uh, um, which Irene had obviously spoken and Benicio had told Standard about the driver about him helping out while Benicio well um Standard had been in uh, in jail in prison um so you know he's he's not really that um keen on the driver he he sees him as a threat to his to his family um but um you know the driver literally picks standard gabriel up from the the concrete floor and um this is when and he takes him to back to his apartment um he talks to benicio he this is where he finds out about the bullet that has been given to benicio and um this is when gabriel explains what had happened while he was in jail uh while he was in prison you know he'd um racked up a debt with these gangsters um and now these gangsters are demanding that standard gabriel rob a pawn shop for forty thousand dollars to pay off the debt that he has accrued um and when the, the driver discovers uh about the bullet um that had been given to benicio he uh he's angry but he doesn't show it a lot of the rage and anger that we see from the driver at the beginning of the film up until much later is very internalized he doesn't show a lot of the the anger a lot of it is is all within it's all internalized but you can tell you know he's this is something that because he he cares a great deal for irene and benicio because he got very close to them um so the driver offers um, to act as a getaway driver uh, for um, Standard Gabriel if he has to take on this job uh, robbing the pawn shop and um, uh, Cook's uh, Chris Cook's accomplice Blanche uh, played by Christina Hendricks um, accompanies uh, both the driver and uh, Standard Gabriel to the, the pawn shop um and everything seems to go to plan the the driver turns up he says to standard you've got five minutes as he always does on any of his getaway jobs he has a watch and he's watching it and he's saying you've got five minutes uh and then standard gabriel says uh, i'll see you in four uh he and uh, blanche go into the pawn shop and then um several minutes later um, Blanche comes out with a hefty bag of uh, of money, seemingly, um, and then a couple of minutes later, um, Standard Gabrielle comes out. But 
before Standard comes out of the pawn shop, another car uh, pulls up um, two parking spaces uh, away from where the driver is um, is parked in his, um, his his Mustang, his Ford Mustang, and they have tinted out windows. You can't see who's driving it, and. Moments after Standard Gabrielle leaves the pawn shop, the um, pawn shop uh, owner shoots Standard Gabrielle in the neck, um, and then he shoots him again and kills him. And he, uh, the driver and Blanche are helpless to be able to save him, um, and immediately they start to run. They start to get away. And they race down the highways and they're uh, being chased by this other car that was in the parking lot with them. Um, and after several um, uh, very tricky maneuvers from the driver, um, they end up getting away. Um, and then Blanche and the driver um, go to a motel where they hide. And... The driver is trying to work out what happened because it should have gone. It should have gone to plan. Nothing should have gone wrong. Um, and then this is when the driver finds out from Blanche uh, that the the pawn shop owner um, uh, uh, well, he finds out on the the television actually. The television. There's a news report that says that the the pawn shop owner claimed that Standard Gabrielle was the sole perpetrator and that no money was stolen from the pawn shop. However, the driver knows otherwise because Blanche was there. She was the one who took the money from the pawn shop. So she should have been, I, you know, um, identified as well. But only Standard was, so it was a setup. The driver knows it was a setup. So the driver threatens Blanche. Uh, when she lies about there being a second car um, and um, however then she admits that the bag that was taken out of the pawn shop contained a million dollars and that she and Chris Cook the one who uh, beat up Stanley Gabrielle and who Stanley Gabrielle owed money to uh, were planning to re-steal the money for themselves using uh, the the other car to chase them um, and you know it's a really tense scene the driver threatens Blanche because um, you know he he knows this he is all that he's done is just try to protect Irene and Benicio and most most of the time he's been very subdued very internalized but when he watches Standard Gabrielle get shot he knows that's it. It's all gone. You know, um, Benicio has lost his father, and this is when the the rage within the driver starts to show itself. Uh, it starts to externalize, and he shows this on Blanche when he loses it. He loses his temper with her, and he'll you know he says you know he he will hurt her if she doesn't tell uh, her, him the truth. Um, then soon after, Blanche goes into, um, the restroom, she goes into the bathroom, and then, um, two, uh, assailants with shotguns, uh, one shoots, uh, Blanche, uh, uh, in the head, uh, through one of the, the through the bathroom window, and then, uh, another tries to get into the, the motel room through the door, but uh, the driver sees that someone is approaching because um, he sees a shadow across the window and he immediately gets up out off the bed where he sat and he throws the mattress against the, the door to stop um, anyone from getting in easily um, but yeah so Blanche is killed um, and then um, the driver ha rushes to, to take a hold of the shotgun that the the kit Blanche's killer had that um, which he's still holding when he breaks through the window to go into the bathroom and uh, he ends up uh, killing the um, 
the uh, the attacker uh, who turns out to be one of Chris Cook's henchmen and then um, the driver uh, then fatally stabs the um, he, he kills this gunman with a um, uh, stabs him and then he uses the, the gunman's uh, shotgun to kill uh, the other um, henchman who's trying to get into the motel room and by this point the driver's face is splattered with um, blood and um, his white jacket and the, the driver is um, for a great deal of the film he wears a white jacket um, which has a yellow scorpion um, patch on the back of it a large uh, yellow scorpion uh, logo on the back of it which is very iconic in itself but his white uh, jacket is now um, splattered on the front with blood his face is covered with blood and it is at this point that the driver has has transformed um, into a killer he's gone he goes through several um, that the film is kind of like um, uh, the, the, the driver is going through a process of transformation uh, in, from which um, he used to be someone who used to internalize a lot but then and he has a lot of anger within but then it over the course of the film it comes out of him he, he starts to externalize his anger and his aggression and his the violence within him um, because we don't really find out that much about the driver who he is where he came from what his childhood was like but he is a very dangerous he's dangerous behind the wheel and we also discover that he's dangerous um when trying to uh to defend himself and after this this moment in the hotel room the driver goes to the auto shop um and speaks to uh shannon and um who offers to hide the money uh for the driver but uh, the driver says no because uh he probably knows that shannon would end up stealing the money because shannon was always looking to cut another cut a deal um in fact that's why he wanted to start this the race car have this race car with um uh, going to business with uh bernie rose who as i said was is this jewish uh gangster uh played by albert brooks because he was in always in a lot of uh money trouble um but then uh, the driver hunts down uh, Chris Cook, uh, who uh, he got the name of from Blanche before she was killed, while he was threatening her. Uh, and he finds himself at a strip club where Chris Cook is, um, and he threatens to kill him with a, uh, a hammer that he's carrying. Um, and he's also carrying the bullet that was given to Benicio. Um, because he's and he threatens to hammer the bullet into Chris Cook's head if he doesn't tell him who Chris Cook was working for. Um, but then uh, the driver force feeds the same bullet to Chris Cook, um, uh, and um, but and before that as well, he broke Chris Cook's hand with the hammer. He uh, uh, smashed it. His, uh, his hand with a hammer and during this attack uh, Cook reveals that it was in fact Nino played by Ron Perlman who was behind the robbery um, to get the money um, then uh, the driver uses one of the uses Chris Cook's uh, phone to call Nino and um, Nino uh, says that he wants um, uh, he doesn't want the money uh, instead he's going to send the hitman to um, the driver and uh, you know they're trying to work it out on the phone but then when they get off the phone it's all about the money um, uh, and then when, after, when they get off the phone Nino says that he, he's going to kill the driver and Irene and he sends someone to Irene and um, 
Nino's apartment building. And um, the driver um, goes back to his apartment building and he uh, he talks to Irene, uh, who by this time uh, has found out about um, Standard Gabrielle's death um, because it was on... The, the, the police turn up to her apartment asking her about the, the robbery of the, the, the pawn shop. And yeah, so the driver has um, a, uh, a very sad um, conversation with Irene. Um, he explains his involvement. He was trying to help Standard Gabrielle. And in fact, Irene is so angry. She didn't say a lot, but well, she didn't say anything hardly. But she slaps the, the driver around the face because she's so angry. Um, and uh, then, because Irene's on her way to um, on her way to work, uh, she works at uh, Denny's Diner. Uh, the driver and um, Irene head into the elevator, uh, but the the hitman who's working for Nino is in the elevator and he immediately seems like he immediately recognizes the driver for who he is um and uh he the, the hitman says oh i must have been the wrong floor uh but as soon as the driver and irene get in the elevator the driver knows he, he looks over at the hitman and he could see that he has a, a hidden um hidden pistol in his uh in his jacket and the hitman knows exactly who the driver is. And uh, the driver knows what's going to happen. But before it happens, before he knows he's, what, before he does what he knows he has to do, he takes this opportunity to kiss Irene. Um, and there's a great moment, um, great cinema, uh, cinematic moment when the, the lights within the elevator just dim down and all the attention is focused upon the driver and Irene um, when they kiss and it's a really beautiful moment and then it, and it lasts for um, maybe a minute but then following this beautiful moment of this this first physical incredible connection between the two of them in which they express their, their love and affection for one another following this uh, the driver then turns um, and uh, he and the hitman uh, get into a physical altercation uh, during which the hitman is um, hit so much that he falls to the floor and then the driver brutally beats the hitman uh, so much that he actually stomps on his head and... Um, yeah, the, the scene is horrific and the whole time Irene is watching this and she cannot believe what she's seen. And as I say, there's no dialogue. It's so subtle, but her reactions are just really powerful and really well done. Um, and then when the, the, the elevator door opens and she she backs away into the the parking lot that is the last time that they actually see one another the driver um and when the driver looks at her now he is someone else he is completely turned into a killer um and irene just you know runs away and then soon after this the driver goes to um goes to shannon uh his friend uh and his employer because he he works out that someone must have told uh, the hitman where the driver lived and about Irene and he finds out that it was Shannon Shannon tried to do the right thing he tried to explain to um, to his friend um, Bernie played by Albert Brooks uh, about the money he tried to cover the driver's you know uh, back but instead, he he made things worse. Um, and then the driver explains to Shannon that they're going to come for you now too because you're involved. Um, and the driver says, it, "You you've got to go. You've got to run. 
now Shannon um, and um, then at um, Nino's uh, pizzeria uh, Nino reveals to Bernie his um, his partner uh, that a, uh, a very low-level Philadelphia mobster from the Italian East Coast mob as uh, he refers to them has stashed had stashed the money the million dollars at the pawn shop uh, with plans to use the money to set up a new operation on the, the west coast in um, in California um, and they're partners um, and they're you know uh, Bernie's willing to to let it all go but uh, Chris Cook is there as well he explains what happened to him about what the driver did and um, Nino says the driver's got to go he's got to die and Bernie doesn't say it but they communicate to one another that Chris Cook has to go and everybody involved everybody know who knows about the the robbery has to, to die so, so that it can be kept quiet so that they can keep they can both keep the money this million dollars so Chris Cook is killed by Bernie he um, he stabs him in the eye um, and uh, then um, uh, Nino uh, he's constantly looking over his shoulder um, um, for the, the driver he wants the driver dead um, but uh, so that the, the Italian mafia can't get to them can't find out what happened uh, happened to their money, uh, uh, and that is the plan that they 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 come up with. Um, and then Bernie goes to visit Shannon, who refuses to tell Bernie where the driver is. Um, and then um, Bernie um, kills Shannon uh, with a, a straight razor uh, and kill, kills him. And it's a really sad scene. Um, in fact, Nino, uh, Bernie's partner, is explained in the, at the beginning of the film. He is the one that gave Shannon his limp because he limps a lot, and he broke his pelvis because he owed him money. He owed Nino money, and because uh, he couldn't pay him back, Nino broke his pelvis. Um, then the driver returns to the auto shop. Uh, he finds Shannon's uh, dead body there. Um, and then by this point, the driver is on a, a path of uh, revenge. Uh, he wants to uh, avenge the death of his friend Shannon. And um, he, he, he's not going to stop until everybody involved who, um, um, who made all of this situation the, what it is. Uh, he's not going to stop until they're, they're all dead. So the driver goes to uh, one of the studios, to one of the makeup, um, uh, uh, the makeup um, departments there, and he takes a rubber stuntman's mask, um, the same one that he used in a, a stunt scene right at the beginning of the, the film, um, which was overseen by Shannon. Uh, he goes into um, where the, the the prosthetics department is. He takes this mask. Um, he follows um, uh, Nino um, from uh, Nino's Pizzeria to um, a highway uh, just on the Pacific coast uh, while wearing um, this uh, prosthetic uh, mask, this rubber mask. And um, he rams Nino's car uh, onto a beach. Um, and um, then he chases Nino uh, down the beach um, towards the ocean uh, where he eventually drowns Nino. Um, then uh, the driver phones Irene um, and tells her that he... He's going to a place that uh, he may never be able to return. But he explains that knowing her and Benicio as the best 
thing that has ever happened to him. Um, it's a really beautiful scene, and it's quite. It's very sad. So I'll say if 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 just if standard Gabrielle had never got out of prison, then they could have made Irene and the driver could have had a um, a real life and. You know, he was a—he's a hero in one of the the songs, um, a real human. Um, in the, one of the songs in the film, you know, there's one of the the lyrics is a real human being and a real hero, and uh, that's what I think the driver's been searching for his entire life is someone who can make him be a real human being um, and bring um, joy out of him. And this is something that Irene. Did um, Benicio and his time with them, but unfortunately that time is now over because the driver is transformed into someone else. Um, then the driver arranges to meet up with Bernie, um, who promises that um, if he gives back the money, if the driver gives back the million dollars, then Irene will be safe for the rest of her life. But the driver, on the other hand, Will constantly be looking over his shoulder um, and they meet up the driver and Bernie and the the terms are explained and Bernie asks have you got the money um, the driver says yeah it's in the trunk of my car um, and they go out to the, the parking lot and this is when Bernie stabs the driver in the stomach uh, however just before the driver um, takes out a knife and stabs Bernie um, and in fact he stabs Bernie to death uh, and he and he also leaves the the, the bag uh, the hefty bag of a million dollars in the car park um, and in fact there's one point where you, the driver is sitting in the driver's seat of his car and you think maybe he's dead because he is mortal, he is wounded very severely uh, or seemingly and he's stationary and it looks as if he's dead however then the driver blinks his eyes he moves after several moments um, then the driver uh, drives away leaving Bernie lying in the parking lot next to the cash um, dead um, then we see Irene um, who has the driver on her mind all throughout the film she she loves him she really does um, and we see her go to the driver's apartment door knock on it um, but the driver is not there anymore and when she realizes this she she walks away and um, and then right at the end of the film we see the driver um, driving away into the night um, and his fate uh, at this point is unknown and that's the end of the film and yeah what a fantastic film what great acting what a great story uh, what great music um, and yeah all the actors uh, from Brian Gosling who plays the driver Carrie Mulligan who plays Irene Brian Cranston who plays Shannon Albert Brooks who plays uh, Bernie Rose Oscar Isaac who plays Standard Gabrielle, Christina Hendricks who plays Blanche, Ron Perlman who plays Nino. You know, they're all all great actors. Um and as I say, the you know, it's a it's it's um a really, really wonderful, wonderful film and um it's a happy ending but also a dark ending to the film because the driver did um, he did a good thing even though he had to go to a dark place he saved Irene and Benicio even though um, Standard Gabrielle had to die um, but uh, yeah he he killed the bad guys he saved and protected Irene um, and he did he did something something really really great um, but he had to sacrifice his relationship with Irene um, and companionship um, because he was meant for something for something greater and that's something that um, has been explained by um, 
by the director, uh, Nicholas uh, Winding uh, Refn. But um, yeah, and I was talking about the music of the film, and I love soundtracks. Uh, they're one of some of my favourite things about um, about films, uh, the way that the, the soundtrack works, uh, and it, it also you know it, it expresses and emotes a great deal of what's going on on screen. Um, um, and it really works, really uh, helps to to elevate some scenes, especially the scenes where there is no dialogue, when it's just um, appearances, it's just um, glances and and looks, and um, and that's it. Um, and um, in, I mean, this film came out in two thousand eleven. Uh, and I was already a fan of the film. I loved the original soundtrack. But then in 2014, uh, um, uh, a, uh, the DJ, uh, Zane Lowe, uh, who uh, worked at that time for Radio 1, uh, it was announced that he was going to do a rescore of the film Drive, um, uh, replacing the, some of the songs from the original soundtrack with other songs, uh, some other original music from um, several other bands, such as uh, Banks, Bastille, um, music by Eric Prides, uh, Bring the Horizon, uh, and also two other bands. And um, the, this, the, this Radio 1 rescore, as it's called, came out in October of 2014. Uh, as curated by Zane Lowe, as I said. However, if it wasn't, and as I said, that the music, the soundtrack for the film was already wonderful. I was already a fan of it. Um, I'd already bought it, and, and I was already um, a constant listener to it. However, and and but I watched the the rescore because I was interested. I, I loved the film, and I was interested to see what could be added if um, it would be different, and. In during in this rescore, there was two bands that would go. That I first heard on this rescore who would go on to become my two favorite bands, um, and one band which uh, plays their song uh, "Getaway" uh, over the the opening of the film. Uh, the band is called Churches. Um, and they are a, a Scottish indie pop band from Glasgow uh, who first formed in 2011, uh, which consists of uh, Lauren, uh, Lauren Mayberry, Ian Cook and Martin Doherty. And um, I'm, I was a fan of them from the moment that I, saw, I heard their song Getaway. And I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to actually go and see them perform live and oh, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal um, moment. Uh, it was, uh, and that their song that from the moment that I heard their song "Getaway," I was a fan. And from that, uh, I was led to go and check out their other albums, their albums that they had um, uh, released, um, their EPs, um, and I've been a fan of theirs ever since. So I have uh, that to thank. Zane Lowe for and the rescore of Drive for, and another band uh, which I first heard on the rescore of uh, Drive was a, a British band by the name of the 1975, uh, who uh, are an English rock band uh, who were formed in 2002, um, uh, and the lead vocal is um, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Matty Healy. Uh, the, the band also consists of lead guitarist Adam Han, bassist uh, Ross McDonald, and drummer slash producer George Daniel, who does a lot of the um, the songwriting uh, along with uh, Matty Healy. And on the same year that I got to see Churches, I uh, I I went to see the 1975 as well. And these are my two favourite bands, and coincidentally, it was the the rescore of Drive in 2014 when I first heard these 
these songs and uh, the first song of Churches that I ever heard was called Getaway and the first song of the 1975 that I ever heard was their song Medicine and the Churches song uh, Getaway plays on the opening credits and the 1975 song Medicine plays over the, the closing credits of the, the rescore uh, as well as uh, and it also plays um, throughout the film um, uh, but I just think it's so great that uh, I was already a fan of a film and then uh, I checked out the rescore of the soundtrack and from that I would discover these two great bands um, who I got to see on the same year um, back in uh, 2018 I think it was now um, or I think it was 2019 it's a couple of years ago now and oh, it was phenomenal I got to see 1975 first in Birmingham and then I got to see um, the Birmingham Marina it was then and then I got to see that got to see churches at the the O2 um, uh, Institute, I think it was uh, in Birmingham as well, here in the United Kingdom, on the same year. And my connection and my introduction to these two bands was from the film um, Drive or the the rescore of the soundtrack. So I am eternally grateful to Drive and also to Zane Lowe, I guess, um, for rescoring. Uh, curating the the, the rescore of the of the soundtrack to the film, so that's just a little bit of trivia, uh, a little great a great connection. And I'm a fan of both of those bands, um, Churches. And if you're if you want some great music, then I would definitely suggest that you check out Churches, C H uh, V R C H E S, and also the 1975. Um, that's the name of the band, the 1975. And they're brilliant, great, great band, um, great music, and um, yeah, just uh, just the best. And if you want a great film, then I would definitely suggest that you check out Driver. Um, sorry, Drive. Get it right. Um, which came out in two thousand eleven. But I would also suggest that you watch the film, the original version with the original soundtrack, but then watch the film again and watch with the uh, the, re the Radio 1 rescore and listen to that and enjoy the great um, the great music that um, was added which um, it, it, they're, they're really good songs really good songs but if I'm being honest I, I, I like the original soundtrack i think it really fits in with the the overall story and the tone of the film um but yeah definitely uh, a worthy alternative the soundtrack and it's really well done especially the the the, the songs um getaway by churches and uh medicine uh by the 1975 uh but yeah yeah definitely check out this film if you haven't seen it um it's uh it's very graphic uh and it's not for the faint of heart but um take it from me if you you want a great you want to watch a great film you want to watch some great actors you want to see some great cinematography you want to follow a great story you want to listen to a great soundtrack then uh you couldn't do any better than watching the uh the film drive uh, but yeah but yeah i think i'm gonna leave it there for now I uh, just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you like what you heard, and I'll talk to you again soon. If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you, uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me. Uh, which is my website and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years um, you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in a uh, book form uh, and go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published um, they're all books of poetry um, 
books of stories, uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences. Um, and there'll be more to come. And uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to uh, to the podcast, then you can do so by heading over to Patreon and searching for Mark the Poet. And uh, your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated. Um, but uh, as I was saying, I hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode. Um, and I'll talk to you again soon.